0: In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argo's podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argo's pregame walkthrough brought to you by Funny Bone Broth. Ben Grant joined as always by JB as we set up for you the week 12 matchup between your Toronto Argonauts and the Montreal Alouettes. These two teams playing just a few weeks ago at BMO Field. It was a tight one, 30-27. Toronto came away with a win. It was a game that never felt in doubt for Toronto until the last minute when somehow Montreal had an opportunity to to tie or, or win the game and they just ran out of time. JB, for the second week in a row, this feels like the biggest game of the year and I expect it to be another good one.
1: Yeah, last week knocked Hamilton out of the conversation for first in the East and a win this week would knock Montreal out of that conversation. I, I would go so far as to say a win uh, against Montreal gives us first in the East.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. And I think you come into this game, Toronto knows it. But the thing is, Montreal really knows it too, because we're just talking about Montreal's schedule the the rest of the way. They need to win this game.
1: Yeah, it's brutal. They have to play uh, Saskatchewan, then Winnipeg twice, and then they end up against Ottawa. But, you know, playing a terrible team in the final game of the season, sometimes they can really surprise you because that's sort of their... You know their biggest game of the year, so those are those are four, well three really hard games, and a wild card. So I think, you know, if Montreal goes uh, two down to Toronto, that's that's all she wrote for uh, you know for the East and for Montreal. So definitely, they are going to come in uh, with the belief that they have to win this game if they if they want to finish first or really kind of lock in ahead of Hamilton.
0: And as you said before, if Toronto wins this, there's now some distancing where they've spread themselves out from Montreal. And like we talked about, that that tough schedule that they've got uh, coming through the back nine. And uh, Hamilton, being two games back, plays essentially the same teams that Toronto plays. And so if Toronto just keeps winning, this game, I, I think, really does, in a way, seal up... The East. I know there's still a lot of football to play. Anything can happen. Uh, I don't think anyone from the organization would, would say they're out of the woods with a win here. But for me, for you sitting back here, I think, I think this game is, is about the East title. So uh, it's a big one, both teams. We've got some transactions this week. Three players out, one player in, and that's what happens when some of these uh, injured players start coming back to the team. And that is good news that there are some people returning from injury. However, it was sad to see some of these players go. So out was Eli Howard, and that was the the first casualty of, of the week. And what was sort of upsetting to me in watching all this happen, I wasn't surprised to see Eli Howard go, but a lot of people when that news broke misinterpreted it and they thought it was Eli Harold being cut. Eli Harold actually went on Twitter to say, no, it wasn't me cut. There's three Eli's on this team. It was Eli Howard that was that was let go. But then it just felt like foreshadowing because two days later, Eli Harold was then cut. Richard Clayette was the third victim of this week's purge. All three defensive linemen, Eli Harold <laughs> Eli, this is this this is one thing I won't miss: is confusing all their names. Eli Howard. I wasn't surprised by. He had been previously released by the team. He was brought in when they were really shorthanded. Didn't really get too much playing time. Uh, Richard Clayette, I was a little bit surprised by because I thought he actually played quite well, but he's he's not really a defensive lineman. He's more a linebacker that has converted to defensive line more so than some of the other guys that are in the same situation. Eli Harold. I was surprised by. He, his play has impressed me. I think he's a heck of an athlete. I was frankly stunned to see him released.
1: Yeah. I don't know whether the coaches got tired of having too many Eli's and I wouldn't necessarily rule that out as a reason for getting rid of them all. Um, You know, it, it, it's not surprising that there's turnover. I I thought with coach Jones coming in that you're, you're going to get some of the guys that were the previous coaches uh, you know, sort of guys pushed out and, and some new guys brought in, uh, it could very well be a great sign that the injured guys are about to come back and and play really well, you know, and are, are able to take those positions. So maybe suggest that, uh, you know, Shane Ray and Coney are, are closer than maybe we suspect. Uh, I am surprised uh, with uh, Harold. Thought he was young and had real potential, but, Maybe, you know, maybe they just weren't into his availability. He he just, you know, for a young guy, he wasn't available as much as you would hope.
0: I bet you Eli Menser had a very strong week of practice uh, over the last few days. Yeah, because uh,
1: finally coach could say Eli and he'd be like, yeah, instead of three guys answering and coach yelling, ah,
0: and it's not like it's a common name either. It's just such a weird thing. But yeah, three Elis. Uh, now we're down to one. It's like an Agatha Christie novel. So the guy coming in, Martez Ivey, uh, offensive lineman, played mostly left tackle. Just watching some of his film over the last couple of days, my confidence has been shaken a little bit in evaluating left tackles for this team because... I seem to be getting it wrong a lot this year. I, I, the most recent one was Terry Poole, who I really liked. I thought when they, when they traded for Terry Poole, and I was upset to, to lose Alden Darby, but I felt better about it when I watched Terry Poole's film because he looked to me like a guy that was going to come in and actually, in a few weeks, play that left tackle spot. But it never happened. It never, never even really came close to happening. He was, he was never even on the field. It was it was Dejon Allen that was out there and, and has been from the beginning. So I look at Martez Ivey's film. He looks a lot like Terry Poole to me. And and I like the film. I think he looks very good. He's he's different from Allen, as Poole was, in that Ivy is much better in pass protection than, than run blocking. He's a very natural pass protector. He's got really quick feet. He looks like a, a good CFL-style left tackle. I think... With all of these guys, it takes time, but he's a young guy that I'm pretty excited about uh, in terms of his future as as a left tackle in this league. However, having said that, I have been wrong with this exact thing. And I also do appreciate the run blocking that Dejon Allen has provided. I wasn't a huge fan of him at the beginning of the year, but week in and week out, he is among the best graded Uh, Lyman in the run game and that has become a really important part of uh, of toronto's uh, offensive attack especially when john white is healthy so i don't know if we're going to see martez ivy on the field anytime soon but i'm interested to see him at practice anyway jb there are some good stories finally on the injury report this week so a lot of guys are coming back two that i'm very excited about Finally, practicing in full this week was Enoch Mwamba and John White. Both of these guys could make a huge difference in this game against Montreal
1: yeah i'm I think it suggests maybe they were probably ready to go or close for Hamilton. a little more rest having having white back is huge it it lets the Argos be multi-dimensional again. Um, you know, I think that's the one I'm probably the most excited about, but Mwamba in the middle. Again, just totally solidifies the center. Um, It's great to see. I think it's going to have, I think it's going to have a big impact. I think they are two of the most important Argos, um, and to have them back healthy is 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 crucial for this game.
0: Limited in practice were Ricky Collins Jr. and Jamal Peters. I expect both those guys to play. They're hampered by knee injuries. I think they're both going to go. Among the did not practice. Uh, there are some concerns. Most of these guys, I do not think, are going to address for this week. You've got Coney Ely, who's nursing a groin injury. Matt Botang with his ankle. Shane Ray and Patrick Lavoie, both with hamstrings. Cam Judge still coming back from that ankle injury. Although I think, I think we're going to start seeing him test that out shortly over the over the coming weeks. The one that I think may have a chance to play is Jamal Campbell, uh, right tackle, who has been such a an important part of of this offensive line this year. He's got a quad injury and he hasn't practiced all week. I'm a little nervous about that. I think he's going to try and give it a go. But if he can't, I'm somewhat comforted in the fact that I believe Shane Richards can do a very nice job at right tackle. That is his natural position. It's what he's most comfortable with. We've seen him all over the line this year, backing up at uh, at the guard spots. And, you know, I, I would like to see if Jamal Campbell can't go, that's what I'm hoping their answer is. Uh, right tackle but I, I do think he's uh, of all these guys that didn't practice thing he's probably the closest to be able to to, to give this a run which uh, would make me feel a little bit better going to this week
1: well especially uh, if you look at uh, you know the, uh, the 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 rebirth of the purple people leaders um, down the 401 uh, you know Montreal had 10 sacks against Ottawa um, it's concerning. It, look, I, I I understand that Ottawa stats are are a little skewed, um, but you know they're not the JV team. Um, t- so yeah, I mean ten sacks is is a lot. Um, that's more than the Argos have for the whole season, I believe. Uh, it's,
0: it's a crazy number. So
1: yeah, I mean you know I think anytime you're you're down an offensive lineman, it um, you know, it, it's not great. You, I mean, the, that's the position you absolutely need the depth at.
0: And I would love to see Enoch Mwamba back out there on the field. I think that's such a, a huge boost. I, I think, and I, and I do think he's going to be out there, but I think he had this game circled from the beginning because, you know, he really wanted to play when Montreal was in town. It just wasn't going to happen. And I think there was no way he was going to let this game come and go without, especially it being in Montreal. So I, you know, I'm I'm sure he's going to uh, put on a show and it's going to be a big test because we know that Montreal is going to be run heavy. They, you know, we haven't really addressed the the trade for Trevor Harris this week, but Trevor Harris is not going to, he's not going to be dressed. He's not going to be playing this week. And with Matt Shields out there, He's he's fine. He's he's a fine quarterback, but they're going to lean heavily on the run game and we know that standback is is healthy again. He should be ready to go. That's going to be a great test because Enoch Mwamba was not out there in the middle of these last few weeks when Toronto has had trouble stopping that that middle run. He should be the answer that we're looking for. So in terms of guys that I'm really excited about coming off the injury list, he's he's top of my list and yeah, hopefully like you said Jamal Campbell can 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 make it work because yeah, that's a frightening group on the other side for the Alouettes. JB, it is time for your favorite segment of the show. It's OCDC. <laughs> all right, so as usual, I will lead things off. If you are new to listening to the podcast, first of all, I do appreciate you listening. So does JB, I'm sure. This segment, OCDC, I play the role of offensive coordinator first for the Montreal Alouettes and then for the Toronto Argonauts. And JB will be playing the role of defensive coordinator. So let's start out on the Montreal side. JB, as Montreal's offensive coordinator, my plan is really simple this week. It is run middle. And I know you say, well, Enoch Moam was back. Uh, you know, you're not going to be able to run middle as effectively as teams have for the last few weeks. I want to see it. If I'm Montreal, I know that the strength of my offense is the running game. I want to pound the football and continue pounding the football up the middle. Force Enoch Mwamba, who hasn't played football in weeks now, force him to come in and do everything because there's been very little support for middle run from anywhere else on that Toronto defense. I, I want to test him, see what kind of game shape he's in and you know, force him to absolutely commit to it. And Off of that is going to come play-action opportunities and things to make the Montreal quarterbacks' life a little bit easier. If they can establish an effective running game, Matt Schultz has shown that he can sit back there when the coverage is in the quarterback's favor. He can sit back there and pick a defense apart. Ottawa's defense, as much as they have been a mess as a team all season, the team has improved significantly and their defense... We saw the problems that they gave Toronto a few weeks ago, at least for a half anyway. And so, you know, they're, they're not the joke that, you know, maybe we, we see in Edmonton right now. I, I think that Ottawa has moved beyond that. And so Schiltz looking decent against the Red Blacks, I think tells you that he's a competent quarterback. So my plan is just absolutely storm in the middle of the field running, force Toronto to commit, really test Enoch and hit those play action passes off of that. JB, you are the defensive coordinator for the Montreal Alouettes. Give us your game plan. How do you stop the Toronto Argonauts?
1: Well, I mean in this new new Macbeth era, uh I think that um you know, his his passing percentage has improved, so I think you have to play him a little more honestly than you used to in the past, which is which is great, I think. You know, I think that he he moved the ball effectively in the second half against Hamilton. So I think that sitting just sitting in that cover two shell is is not going to get it done against him. So I think that's a real development and probably the reason why he has taken over the starting reins is he's kind of shored up that weakness. If if I'm the Montreal DC, um, I I think that. You're you're looking at you know some pretty constant things. I, I don't know why, but uh, I will once again ask as a DC to beat up um, Foster coming out of the backfield. You know you just can't allow that free release. Um, I you got to ride him out on every single release that he has. Um, I'm okay with White running. That doesn't that doesn't bother me. I'm probably gonna play um a little more um cover two man, um, you know, and more one robber uh, with Macbeth. I think that much like Hamilton did in the first half, you give him those outside throws and, um, you know, just pack the middle of the field. Uh, I felt Hamilton didn't adjust in the middle of the field. So I would, uh, I, you can't give them that middle of the field stuff. So I would definitely have that sort of one robber sitting in that in that underneath spot looking for those seam throws um, and, and basically force him to, 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 you know, to beat you with his um, accuracy, which is his, his weakness, although it it has been good lately. So that's for me is take Foster out of the receiving game and, uh, and, you know, play a little bit tighter, but really force Macbeth to throw that ball outside
0: Before we move on to the Toronto side of the ball, we haven't really talked about the Nick Arbuckle situation. I think this is a good opportunity to for a second because, you know, you're talking about the game plan and planning for McLeod Bethel-Thompson. Do you think there's any way that we see in-game movement where Arbuckle comes in for a series to throw off Montreal? Because they're certainly prepping all week like it's going to be McLeod Bethel-Thompson, and it will be. Uh, for the at least for the majority of the game, if if you're if you're Coach Dinwiddie, would you maybe play around with that and send Arbuckle out there for a series? Just because they they're not it's not like it's night and day, drastically different. Where you're bringing in a guy that can you know run a four four or something like that, and that you know does really mess with teams. Would you try something like that out?
1: No, I I I don't I don't think there's any evidence that works anywhere. I mean, I know you know they did. I mean, God knows even Joe Montana had it done to him. And, you know, Drew Brees and, you know, they bring in a guy off the bench. But I don't think there's enough of a difference. I, I mean, I, I don't even like it when they bring in a guy who has a different skill set. Um, but, for you know, I, it doesn't make any sense. I think, you know, look, it's, it's a tough it's a tough racket to lose your starting job to an injury. And, uh, you know, it happens. Uh, I think it puts pressure on the coaching staff. I'm sure that they definitely were thinking about making a change at half, and that's an added pressure um, that they're going to have to deal with again because, look, if you're not getting it done, you bring the other guy on. Maybe they can make it work. I mean, in the history of football, that usually has not been the case, that you can bounce back and forth. But, look, I don't know what the locker room dynamics are. Look, maybe maybe the locker room is behind – if. If the locker room is behind both guys, then I think that's a real advantage for the Argos. So, um, But I think you have to kind of let, you know, Macbeth go, but God, I don't know. Like if he comes out and has another first half like he did against Hamilton, um, I don't know how you don't bring in a fully healthy Arbuckle uh, for that second half. And I can't imagine that there wouldn't be whispers from the powers that be about needing to get that done too. You know, I think... That that wouldn't surprise me at all. If if Arbuckle has a or if uh, Macbeth has a terrible first half, I think Arbuckle comes on in the second.
0: But uh, but then last week in in Hamilton he didn't have a good first half, and uh, yet Coach he stuck with it. It was stuck with. I, I feel
1: like injury might have still been at play there, though.
0: Like, it was he, interesting to watch Arbuckle on the sideline during that game because he he was you know, sort of prowling up and down the sideline with a ball in his hand. And looked really anxious to get in there. I actually thought coming out in the second half, I thought he was going in just based on his body language and the way that he was conducting himself. But I guess he was just staying ready. Because, you know, one thing I will say about this situation, and I'm not a huge fan of, of the two quarterback system for all the reasons that you've mentioned since this first started, you know, months ago. But I will say that I think Coach Dimwitty has handled this situation just about as well as a head coach can handle this situation. Because the quarterbacks, for the most part, have dealt with it very well. And getting to talk to both quarterbacks repeatedly, because quarterbacks are always made available to the media, they both have, have been highly complimentary of each other, of understanding the situation. And I think that all goes back to Coach Dimwitty, who has managed this perfectly, but now maybe comes the biggest test when you've got three quarterbacks who are fully healthy and ready to go. You know, how do you handle this now? Because he hasn't really had to deal with that. There's always been someone that was, you know, slightly banged up or some sort of situation. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see if the pressure is felt on the sideline this week from I think think certainly
1: his experience as a quarterback coach and running that room and having a sense of of how the egos work and how the power dynamics work. I mean, I think that's clearly been a strength of Dinwiddie. And, you know, I think if he had been a defensive coach, this kind of bouncing back and forth, he might've, he might've handled, um, with less tact and it might've, it might've not gone as well. So I I think that that's been a great advantage of his experience that he probably has a very good sense of, of the dynamics between the two quarterbacks and how to work that, I mean, in a sense, this is a huge game for for Macbeth because if he wins this game, I think that locks him in. As much as I locked in on Arbuckle earlier in the season, um, I, I think if, if, if Bethel Thompson wins this game, I don't think there's any discussion, regardless of performance, of, of making a change. That will have been, you know, now, uh, you know, four wins in a row. You would have beaten Hamilton. You would have beaten Montreal, I think. I think this is his team uh, heading forward. So it's, it's a huge game for Bethel Thompson. You know, I think it I think I think a win here makes it his team. And then, you know, and then you happen to have a really talented backup quarterback.
0: And the last thing I'll say on this topic, you mentioned Coach Dimwitty's experience as a quarterback's coach. But let's not forget his experience as a quarterback and that. That the famous quarterback room of of Kit Cartwrights back in in Winnipeg, where you've got a starter in Kevin Glenn, and then you've got Ryan Dinwiddie, Cliff Kingsbury, and Zach Taylor, all sort of you know fighting for that backup role, and there is there is Dinwiddie playing in the Grey Cup, and so. You talk about a guy that knows the value of having quarterbacks ready to go and ready to play. And this idea that, you know, his philosophy is that you need more than one starting quarterback. I, I'm sure that carries back to his experience in Winnipeg. I, I don't know what the situation was like and how prepared he felt, you know, for that for that Grey Cup appearance. But I have to think any quarterback in that situation and obviously it didn't you know it didn't work out that well for him but I think anyone in that situation would always want to be more prepared and I think he's made it his mission to make sure all three of these quarterbacks are ready for the game at all times so you know I think that probably is where a lot of this comes from. Alright JB we've completely uh, derailed our OCDC segment. I feel like we almost need to play that sounder again. Here's the second half of OCDC.
1: <laughs> well my my plan for Montreal is very brief.
0: Well let's let's stick with you then. Let's go with your let's go with your Montreal uh defense or sorry your your Toronto defense. I'm all over the place now. All right, we are now coaching for Toronto. What does your Toronto defense look like against these Montreal Alouettes?
1: Yeah, I think I think defensively you you have to be aggressive. I, I don't think Montreal has shown anything really I mean if stand comes back, obviously um I think that you 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 load up against that run and you you really want to kind of keep that run in check. And from a passing perspective, you know, play a lot of man, Um, you know, challenge that quarterback to to put the ball on the receivers and for the receivers to to get those um, contested catches. I think I think our secondary I'd love to see a little more man out of our secondary. I think that I think that they're they're good at man. I think that they're way better at man. Um, Most of the touchdowns scored this year have been busts. So, you know, that's the beauty of man is you you have a lot less bus. Um, So I, you know, I play tight man coverage and, uh, you know, load up against the run and, and basically dare Montreal to beat you in the air. And that's the way I would play those guys for sure.
0: I love your plan. I think that's a great plan, especially because this is not Vernon Adams who can hit those home runs with that kind of frequency. We haven't really seen that from Matt Schultz the same way. So, yeah, I love your plan of uh, playing man, sending heat, uh, you throw him off, force him to make a perfect throw because he hasn't really shown the ability to do that or again one, and again and not, again.
1: You know, uh, one is really what I talk about when I say man.
0: Yeah, and that's fine. No, no, I wouldn't say run out there with zero. I don't think that's ever a good idea. But yeah, cover one's great. You can run that. You can run that most of the game against this team. Now, that said, I don't think there's any chance we see this. I think what we're going to see is a ton of run blitzing and that deep shell, bend but don't break. I think Schultz is going to put up 320 yards of passing offense, but the Toronto defense largely keeps them off the scoreboard because that just seems to be what Coach Jones has sent out there every week since he's arrived. So I don't think it's going to change this week.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that, I do think it is a nice test to see how well Toronto, (laughs) I mean, you know, they did in Hamilton. Look, and if you got to run blitz, you have to run blitz. But, you know, ideally you don't, you know, ideally you can play run at least most of the time straight up. Um, you know maybe you load a box or two, but you know having to run blitz is is a pretty unsustainable model so i I would love to see uh Toronto be able to you know control the run um you know i don't I don't expect to shut it down, but they can control the run um you know with with an eight man box I'd be pretty happy.
0: We'll wrap up the segment with my plan for Toronto's offense. To me this week, it's about misdirection. When I watched that game against Ottawa, and again, I know it's Ottawa, but that's what Montreal is coming off of. That's what's sort of fresh in their minds. They were highly aggressive and going after first movements, they were abandoning responsibilities pretty quickly. And so with that in mind, I want to see misdirection. Both backs should be healthy. I want to see both backs there in the backfield, use them, create misdirection out of that. I want to see counters, which we still have not really seen from this offense. I know that's not a huge part of Of coach Dinwiddie's system I wouldn't mind seeing a few thrown in there this week I want to see jets I want to see motion coming across from receivers and I want to take advantage of that aggressive Montreal defense and specifically talking about the aggressive play from their linebackers who were all over Ottawa last week I think with some misdirection you can at least keep them at bay and something needs to be done about that, that lethal pass rush because I don't want McLeod sitting back there. He got teed up so many times last week. He was just continually on the ground, standing in there taking hits. That can't continue. And so by establishing misdirection through the run game and really pounding the football after that, that's going to open things up for McLeod-Betha Thompson as that pass rush slows. So that's my plan. Misdirection, pound the football, Only pass when you absolutely need to, and then that will start opening things up, opening up opportunities for McLeod Bethel-Thompson, and hopefully it forces Montreal's defense to come in and allows him to start taking deep shots, the deep shots that Hamilton sort of took away last week because the run game wasn't a threat. Toronto simply wasn't able to move the ball consistently on the ground with DJ Foster alone. So I think the return of John White opens that back up again. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple of long touchdown passes from McLeod Bethel-Thompson, but I think they will be set up from that uh, from that run from that run game of Toronto where Montreal has to commit more defenders to it. JB, it's time for one thing. What is your one thing for Week 12 against the Owls?
1: <laughs> well, I, I, I have, I think, you know, as I reflected upon this, run out of a lot of things I'd like to see I've actually seen most things which has been great Uh, I think I'd love to see I'd love to see Toronto keep Montreal under um, 100 yards rushing Um, I I, I was gonna say 120 but 100 is kind of the classic line Um, I'd love to see that I'd love to see a game plan where we went in with a goal to stop the run And uh, we were able to do it. So I'm going to say under 100 yards rushing.
0: For me, I've done this one before, and I think it applies this week as well. I I want to see the Argonauts not turn over the ball in any capacity. That's more than just on the offensive side, it's special teams as well. I do not want to see any punts blocked. I don't want to see turnovers on downs from stuffed quarterback sneaks that we've seen. I certainly don't want to see any fumbles. I don't want to see any interceptions. This is a game that Toronto should win. Toronto is the better team. There's no question about that in my mind. And I feel the only way Montreal wins this is if they win the turnover battle, which I know that hasn't always been the case this season, even recently. Uh, Toronto's found a way to somehow make up for that at times. But I I just think that's an easy way to win this game. If Toronto just hangs on to the football, I think this is... A, 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 a game that has to be a toronto win so my one thing no turnovers prediction time jb where are you going for this week 12 matchup what's your prediction
1: well would you like me to go first again so that you can copy it is that is that the arrangement <laughs> yeah. we have is that i, I was almost mine? exactly
0: on i will I, say, I say last week and then you say okay yours is that yeah uh, I think uh, there's some role reversal going on here. So <laughs> you,
1: you don't even remember what the picks are.
0: Well, I was reminded. So uh, yeah. Lori, who is a, a wonderful fan and a, and a terrific follower of the podcast and the website, uh, she reminded me that my prediction in the Hamilton game was almost exactly on. Uh, again, in character, I don't actually remember what my, my prediction was, but I, mm-hmm. I was I think I was off by one total point. And we both correctly predicted a Toronto win last week in Hamilton. So if you want me to go first, I'm happy to.
1: Yes, I do want you to go
0: first. Okay. All right. Um, So my prediction for this week, again, is a Toronto win. And again, I think this comes down to the wire. I don't think it's going to be a Boris Beattie field goal. I think it's more just stopping Montreal on one last attempt to tie it up. I think Toronto wins 26-23 in a tight one in Montreal.
1: Uh, I'm going to go a little higher. I'm going to hope that there's uh, maybe a defensive uh, touchdown for Toronto. I'm going to say Toronto 35, Montreal 24. So not a close
0: game, eh? No,
1: I I think Toronto is getting healthier. And I I think Toronto is the better team. I think that they're starting to believe that. And, um, you know, I think that they are, you know... They are they're ready to go out there and impose their will. They're no, I, I think that they really believe what we thought they could be. So I'm I'm really excited to see it.
0: Well, that will just about do it for us on this episode of the pregame walkthrough, week twelve edition. Make sure you check out all of our stuff on exesandargos.com. I've got the scouting report coming out tomorrow, where I'm going to talk to Cliffy D from the Alouettes flight deck, which I'm really looking forward to to see, especially. What they think about that trade coming into this into this game because it, it does impact their defense a little bit. They lost a, a real contributor in that Trevor Harris trade, so make sure you look out for that piece, uh, probably coming out tomorrow. And uh, of course, uh, we'll have all your post-game stuff. Make sure you check our post-game reaction podcast after the game. We usually get it out. Actually, we always get it out same night. Sometimes it's in the wee hours of the morning. But if you (laughs) want to stay up for that one, we'll have that for you as well as JB's report card. So all that will be coming your way following the Montreal Alouettes game. For JB, this has been Grant saying so long. And may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see you.